Welcome to this week's podcast from Gathering Place Church. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, please visit our website at gatheringplacechurch.com. So this morning we're going to be jumping into uh, uh, a new series. The name of the series is Old School. And Old School, we might think some things never go out. You might hear some people say, you might do something, say something. And some of them say, man, that's Old School. Why do you say that? And we know with God's Word, God's Word is Old School. And it never goes out of style. I think we can all agree we build and base our lives on the Word of God. And no matter what culture says, no matter what someone's opinion is, we base our lives on the Word of God. And we have given a set of values here in our church that are reflected from God's Word. That is a community that if we apply these values to our lives, we're going to be able to experience what the apostles did in Acts chapter 2 when the church started and the church was born. And so if you aren't familiar with them, you can always go online at gatheringplacechurch.com, check them out, there's 10 of them. But through this old school series, I want to bring to light some of these values that I believe you can apply to your life personally, but also reflect. If you were to take our church and put it in a mirror, these values would reflect. And so this morning, our old school value that I want to talk about is authentic community. And we should have it up on the screens, Kenny, if you want to put it up. And I want to read it to you. And it says, really what the heart behind authentic community is. It says, we believe God created the church to fulfill our relational needs in addition to our spiritual needs. We reject superficiality in our in relationships with one another, just as we reject superficiality in our relationships with God. What is superficiality? It means you don't judge a book by its cover. When someone walks in or someone in this community, when we look at them, we say, well, I don't think they have the same personality as me. They smell a little different than me. They look a little different than me. We reject that superficiality. We don't allow that barrier to keep us from getting to know them. And if you look at the first four value on that list is limitless acceptance. That when someone who walks through the doors of our church, who knows nothing about anything, isn't even saved, that there's this journey as they begin to apply these things to their lives. That it's as they're journeying up the mountain of faith. And as they peak and become transformed and be healed and receive salvation. And on their way down, that's when, as we talk of healing to a broken world, we begin to be transformed. We become disciples, we become followers of Christ. And then we get commissioned, as God commissioned the disciples and the apostles, to go and be the apostles and bring healing to a broken world, preaching the kingdom of God. So we establish that. And when we go up the mountain, and our journey of faith, we become disciples. But we just don't stay there. We go and we take it into our communities. We take it into our world. We take it into our families. And so authentic community. 
And the thing I love about our church is how much we love each other. We love each other in this church. We look out for each other. We have each other's back. We are one big happy family. It's always amazing when someone has a baby shower or a graduation. We can always expect a few go. You're going to see about 50% of our church there, which is pretty good. We show up for each other. We love each other. We respect each other. And we're generous with one another. And so that's the beauty of even being a smaller community. Is we, we can get to know each other. On Sunday mornings, you can get to know who's sitting next to you. And really push past superficiality. And really get to know beyond what your name, where you work, where you live. You know, sometimes we never get beyond that. But what is, let's take it a step deeper and say, you know, what's God speaking to you? What do you feel God's calling you to do? Get to know what their heart is. Get to know what the dreams and the things that God's put inside of them. And so this morning, I want to encourage you in, in next week to pursue authentic community. You know, if you have a spouse or you have someone that you can trust, if you didn't have that person, you can just lay it all out and you know you're not going to be judged or they're not going to laugh at you or whatever. You're thankful you have those relationships in your life where you can be you. You're not, you don't have to impress that person. Isn't it funny when you think about it as a culture? We have to battle through and deal with not trying to impress people. For some reason, it's easy just to say, I just want to impress that person when I meet them. And you think about how relationships are started and how relationships are formed. Think about this. We put a lot of time into building a relationship with somebody. But it's usually when it comes to the fact of maintaining it, it's usually where we kind of slap and let down. Where we always put our best foot forward first. We get first impressions of everything. We make sure we try to get the first impression. But then when we actually get to know the person and we see some true colors come up, we kind of pivot away and say, okay, who else can I meet? And kind of stay at that level because I'm scared to go past that level because they might see something in me. I might see something in them. But as a church, we know we're not a country club. We're not just friends. We're a hospital. And when we see brokenness come to the surface, we want to try to bring healing into that person's life. And when they see brokenness come in my life or in your life, that same grace should be extended to help bring healing there. And so this morning, if you got a bulletin, if you didn't, you're missing out. But there should be some notes in there uh, where you can fill in some blanks this morning. I'm going to share with you of, of the process of authentic community. And kind of the, the title of it is going to be Relationship Busters. How many of you know in relationship, there's some busters that if these things happen in your life, it's going to bust up some relationships. And so as a community, I think some of these points and some of these principles, if you can address in your life, and if I can address in my life, then it's going to allow you to experience authentic community. Look at one of, the, one of the first places in the New Testament we see authentic community with the apostles. It comes in Acts 2.46, and you should see it in your notes, it says, So continually daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house. And you'll see, out of the apostles, as the church was started, the power of God was breaking out, the Holy Spirit was on the move. How did they experience community? It was in the temple, and it was from house to house. Now bring it up to modern day. This is our temple. This is our church. This is where we come together to communally to be transformed by the power of God and partake of the mysteries that God gives us, like salvation, communion, baptism. This is our temple, our place of worship. And it says that they broke bread from house to house. So they didn't just have relationship with people on Sundays. 
they were living together. They sold, it says they sold possessions to make sure everyone had what they need. They were truly a family. And that's my heart, and my heart is for this, for us to experience what that Acts 2 community was. But in our world today, we value independence. Right. We strive to be independent. Right. Financially independent. I just have my tight that little family. Independence, we're taught you want to be independent. Right. But there's something about when you can trust people, you can let people into your life, meet with them at house to house. And you know what's neat in other translations? It says that they met together in the temple daily. Right. So they were church of hawks. <laughs> and the temple daily. But what you think is, I was talking with uh, Alan, our guy who does security. He was saying, you know, they didn't have cable then. So there was a lot less distractions and, you know, they invested into each other. It was a priority. Right. So we see they met in the temple and they met with each other in homes. You know, the thing I've seen too is, as a pastor, it's easy to have people come into a service like this, into the temple, and to sit, be fed, take notes, worship. It's fun. It's simple. But to say, I think, now go get to know each other. That's where it gets tough. Right. Really build community with people. That's where kind of the rubber hits the road, and we have to apply things, and we have to be intentional, and to really get to know people. So this morning, I want to share a couple things of these relationship busters. Of what can bust up relationships? What are walls that the devil will use to keep us from experiencing community in our life? Because thing we all know, life is tough. Yeah. Stuff is going to happen. There's times we feel we're on the mountain, things are good. But there's times we're in the valley where we need people around us. And there's nothing more comforting when you're going through a tough time and you know that there's someone you can call, someone you can text. That's what I love even about our prayer team, our intercessors. I think we have over 58 people signed up on our prayer alerts where if you're going through something, you let us know and then we blast it out and you got 60 people praying for you. Good. Our community should look out for one another and care for one another. These were hallmarks of what you saw of the apostolic church, of the apostles and how they took care for one another. And so our first relationship lesson that I want to look at is selfishness. I think we can all say, if we're selfish in relationships, it's usually not going to work out. Or it's going to be very tough. You look at James chapter 4, verse 1 through 4, and talks of why fights and why things are started. It says, what causes fights and what causes quarrels among you? Do they come from your desires to battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. Anybody ever been there? I know I have. Ask with wrong motives. That you may spend what you get on your pleasures. So many times we're selfish in our way we approach God and people. Sometimes we say, we look at a person, or we look at a relationship, or a friendship we might want to have with someone. And our flesh will tell us, well, what can you get out of that? Right. What can I, how is this person going to benefit me? How about my shoulders with him or her? What is going to benefit me? Not saying, if I just, God wants me to be in community, to bring healing to a broken world. I value this person because they are created by God and they are loved by God. 
If we can get past, and then again, that's pushing back the selfishness of the flesh, right. and say, I'm going to value this person simply because they are made in the image of God. Right. Not what they can benefit me. Anybody ever been that I have? We have to push past these things. And so scripture is telling us here that basically wars are started because one person says, I want this, you don't want that, so now we're going to fight it. And selfishness is the root of how so many things, how the enemy can take a foothold in your life and in my life. And so the thing we have to know of how do we cure selfishness in our life, the thing I've come to find true, and I think you can agree with me, is if you're a selfish person, we all struggle with selfishness on some level, it's just we keep it at bay or we are allowing God to deal with it because we always have to say, especially with selfishness and other things in our life, we have to say, I'm going to address the mess. Because it's all there in all of us. It's just how willing are we to address that mess. And so the ability you're willing to address it is the uh, ability that you can be set free of it. And so when it comes to dealing with something like selfishness, you can't just say in your mind, I'm not going to be selfish. I'm not going to be selfish. It's not about me. You just can't tell yourself that. That's not how you get past that. Instead of replacing it or removing it, you've got to replace it with something. In order to cure selfishness, what's a remedy or what's something you can replace it with that? That's when you can make a turn and say, I'm going to be selfless today. Instead of saying, I'm not going to be selfish, I'm going to make a turn and I'm just going to be selfless with whoever is around me. That person, when I walk into the office, who annoys the heck out of me, I'm going to bring her some flowers and I'm going to tell her how beautiful she is. It's simple things like that of you being selfless. Right. That's not a personal example. I love you. And so you can fill in your nose that selflessness builds up. And so the definition of it is simple. It's myself is less. Thinking of yourself is less. Look what Philippians 2.4 says. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Selfish playing for it right there. That as believers, we're to look out for the interests of, and what matters to someone else. Last night, uh, we did photography at a wedding, and I uh, had the privilege to officiate. And you might recognize the name, but you might remember Sarah Lambert uh, and her husband. If you grew up here, if you've been here a while, uh, she recently was married. And uh, they had a wedding at the Prickle Bar. You can Google it. It's a beautiful, beautiful venue. And uh, it's got like, it's this huge barn out in Verona. A family built it on the farm. A lot of people will do uh, events and things there. So they have this beautiful wedding. And uh, it was, a, it was awesome just to see, reconnect with a lot of people even who used to go to church here and just say how, see how they're doing. And, um, one thing that happened that after, and this just really stuck out to me as I was praying over the message this morning, is uh, there was this uh, couple, and we, it was the part of the wedding where everyone is, you know, waiting for everyone to get done with their pictures. Don't you love that about weddings? After the ceremony, you're waiting an hour and a half to two hours to eat. You can smell the food, you're looking at it, your stomach's rumbling, you're just trying to get the bride and groom to get the pictures done. But I was selfless. And 
go over there and just kind of connect and refresh and then we'll get back to work and help them with the wedding. But we just felt not the office that we were to be intentional with a couple that was there. There was this couple in the corner that was kind of sitting by themselves. And so we decided just to kind of slide down and start talking to them. And what we thought was just going to kind of be, hey, where you live, where you work, what you do. Because we all got to make small talk. You don't know somebody. We all do it. Ended up turning into something amazing where we were able to go deep with them. And it's kind of in the past where people just kind of start opening up and just telling you the problems without even asking them. I've come to so kind of realize that. <laughs> so you always got to kind of be ready. Uh, but it was really neat where uh, they just, we started asking them questions and they started sharing with us. And it ended up coming to a place where they have four kids. One of their, uh, their oldest daughter has autism and uh, really struggles and is on antidepressants and they're really struggling what to do with her. She's 15, 16 years old in high school. And uh, what ended up happening, they just sharing, you know, we were in church at one point and things were going good in our lives. And we were visiting this church and we were only there a few weeks and my daughter, who kind of struggles with these things, was clapping and singing and shouting. It was more of a quiet church. And a lady had come up to my daughter and said, you need to cut that out, we don't do that here. And so it was at that moment, they got their stuff and they walked out. That was probably six, seven years ago, she said. They haven't been back to church since. And so they had what we would define a pretty bad church wound where because of something that happened, because that community wasn't accepting of those people, and I could prove their point, they got a church wound walked out and haven't been a part of any kind of community. And so many things, as I started to hear and realize, escalated in their lives because they were absent of the church community, of an authentic community where they could open up share. And so me and Bree, we just began to apologize. We're sorry that that happened to you because that's not the heart of God. That's not a good, good father or what a father would do. And so we were able to really, Bree had to jump back to the pictures, but I was able to sit down and help them find healing. And share Christ with them, share the love of God with them, share what the church was meant to be and what it's all about. And you can tell something lifted up off of them. And they live all the way out in Warsaw, Kentucky, but I said, hey, you can go online, you can watch our services, you can be a part as, as if you're here. But you also need to go and you need to trust God and pray and ask God where you're supposed to be and the people you're supposed to be around. And you've got to understand, yes, you're there for people, but you're, also, you're there to hear from God. And people are going to be people. That's the thing we got to know. We are all human. Think about it. We all have sin. We all fall short. We all have struggles in our lives. We all open our mouth when we know we shouldn't. We don't open our mouth when we know we shouldn't. And God says, I'm going to put all these kind of people who struggle with all these things together and say, have community. You think that's going to be easy? No. And so that's what we have to understand that everyone fights in battle. We know nothing about. I'm fighting a battle we don't know anything about. Josh is fighting a battle we know nothing about. Christian's fighting a battle we know nothing about. There's a battle we all deal with and go through. And so when we understand that, we extend grace to those that are around us. So selfishness is a relationship buster. And so when we encounter people, or when you see people walk through our doors, how does Philippians 2 4 attitude? That I'm going to know what's going on in their life. Wow. Now, it's not being overly spiritual or saying, right when that person comes, come sit by me. What's God's 
speaking to you. What do you do in your mind? You can go a little too far with that to freak people out. But it's being normal, it's being level-headed, and it's wanting to value that person and get to know them. Saying, hey, let's go grab a cup of coffee. It's awesome that you came to church today. I want to know what's going on with life. And so it's a being selfless in your attitude. Number two, you can fill in. That is a relationship us is pride. Wow. Taking all three pride is a huge relationship buster. When you look at the commandments of Christ and you read the scripture, you'll see so much of what Jesus talks about is how we're to deal with one another. Right. And you can all agree on that. Is Jesus was very big on how we're to love one another, how we're to deal with each other, and how we're to look out for one another. So if Jesus really put an emphasis on that, how much more is the devil going to try to come in and bring disunity, bring offense, get his gossiping, get his talking? Because he does not want us to have community. And you have to know that. When you feel a rub, or when you, is that person talking about me, or is he saying that to me, or all these kind of things the devil throws at us. We have to know. And here's the thing with pride, too. We all, again, struggle with pride at some level. It's just the ability that we're willing to address that as a pride. And so, I have pride in my life. You have pride in your life. How are we to deal with it? How is it? How does pride manifest itself? Well, pride manifests itself as a critical spirit. We compare. We can be stubborn. Yeah. And even prideful people that we can, if, if I were to say, who do you think is prideful? That person pops in your head. A lot of the time, pride manifest itself through a big ego. Right. And if you can right. sneeze on that person's ego, they're going to get offended. Right. Or they're going to power up and show that they're in control. Right. And so ego is a big thing where pride will manifest itself. Pride says my way or the highway. And you're not willing to hear another side or another viewpoint. But you're just, I don't know what I'm, I, I know I'll think about that. I don't know what I'm doing. And you don't listen to anyone else around you. Right. And so how do we, again, we're not removing pride, we're replacing it with something. And so what that looks like is the solution is humility. Before I talk about humility, there's this hilarious movie clip. Anybody ever seen the movie What About Bob? It's an, it's an old movie, I think it was in the 90s. Well, there's this scene in What About Bob. I was thinking, I can share a Bible story that I can talk about Bob. There's a scene in the movie where uh, the father's son has been trying to teach him how to dive or how to swim. And he can't do it. The son does not like his dad. And the only thing about the movie, Bob, who was clinically unwell and had to see uh, the father, who was a psychiatrist, the family goes away on vacation. And the Bob, who's the person that's not well in his mind, just finds them where their vacation is and basically jumps in. The family loves Bob, but the man is not. And so there's a scene where Bob comes in that I want you to watch, and he kind of takes the place and shows the son something. So watch this, and then we'll kind of see how pride can manifest itself.
my way or the highway leader. You like leaders or you like a boss that's humble, that actually cares about your feelings. You're not just a number or just an employee, right? right. You want to be follow someone who really cares about you, who values you. And so again, the solution is to go. Number three, I think we all agree with this, a big relationship buster is insecure. Insecure, we all struggle with some level of insecurity in our lives. The thing I've come to see is insecurity is a hidden killer. Sometimes we're insecure in the area of our life that we don't even see, but we see that it's a hidden killer in different areas in our lives. You know, the thing I see too, insecurity will manifest itself when you lose control for no reason. I know sometimes for me, when we're out playing basketball, we're on the golf course, and we're going at it. Maybe, uh, sometimes we play basketball, we play to 100, and we just play straight. So when it gets in those last 90 points of the game, you didn't come to lay up. We've been playing an hour and a half, we're exhausted. We're, we're battling back and forth. We came to win. And so stuff starts getting a little more choppy, a little attitude comes out, competitiveness. And sometimes one of us will lose our cool because we're so into it, so competitive, and we want to win. And there's been a time when I have, and I think, okay, why did that just happen? You want to find an insecurity in your life, but usually when you look back on a moment, you say, how did that happen? How did I lose my, my cool over that? That you wanted to win, or you wanted to prove your point, or you said things you wish you wouldn't have. You gotta be willing, again, we're all insecure in some place, but how willing are you to say, I'm going to address the mess? I'm going to address the mess. There we go. Okay. <laughs> so we gotta be willing to address the mess of insecurity in our life. You know, some other ways uh, insecurity manifests itself is through rejection. Now, none of us like to experience rejection. It's suffering, isolation. When we're insecure, a lot of times we'll jump off the ship of community and just become isolated. So we're trying to deal things with ourselves. We might feel like we were hurt or we can't trust people. The biggest thing the devil can do in your life to take, to take your faith and take your hope is to isolate you, to get you out of the community, to get you out away from people that care about you or that can speak truth to you, to get you out of church. He would love more than anything to keep you out of the temple where community can happen. Out of the church. And so what's our cure for insecurity? What's the solution? What do we replace it with? Well, super simple, it's the love. It's the love of God. It's such a simple concept, and we can preach a whole series on love and what it can do and how it changes us. But if you don't know how loved you are by God, you don't know how good of a father he is, then you're going to walk around insecure because you're not understanding that you're created in the image of God. And he is so jealous for your affection, and he is pursuing, and he has purpose and calling and destiny on your life. If you don't understand how much he loves you, you're going to be insecure. Think about you as a parent and your kids. If your kids don't know that you love them, your kids are going to be insecure. It's a byproduct of your kids not knowing their identity. They know where they stand. Their dad always shouts off and has anger tangents. Or mom is feeling depressed all the time. A result of what happens in that child's life. Insecurity. 
And so that's with us if we don't understand how much God loves us. Insecurity will manifest itself. Quickly, there's a, a story in 1 Kings chapter 12. You can go back and you can read it. But it's about a man by the name of Rehoboam. So far to say Rehoboam. He was a king that preceded, preceded King Saul. And up through King Saul and the uh, nations of Israel were one tribe. And what, started, what happened is Rehoboam took the throne. He went and went on a, a listening or a wisdom tour and went to different parts of the kingdom and heard from elders and leaders, okay, what is it getting a feel for the kingdom that he was about to take in and to lead? So he met with the elders, those with wisdom. And if you go and you read the story, you'll see that they advised him, hey, get down on the people's level, serve them, get to know them, be generous with them, and they'll be loyal to you, they'll serve you, they'll follow you. And so he heard that. But if you go to the Rehoboam was only 16 years old at the time. And so what you see happen is he kind of said, that's a little old school. I'm not about that. So he goes over to his friends, those who are on the same page, and he asks them how he should build people. You know what he tells them? He says, oh man, you need to tax them high to keep that luxury lifestyle you have. You need to show them who is boss. You're young, and if you don't show them who's boss, and they're going to overthrow you. And so Rehoboam started to think that, you know what, I think they're kind of right. You know, I could do that and listen to wisdom, but what if they see a crack in my leadership or whatever, and they take it and they overthrow me? And so you see, Rehoboam decided to listen to the, the wisdom and the advice of his friends. And all that happened because of a decision he made to tax the people, he even said that, yeah, Solomon was easy on you. And he, when you uh, were in trouble, he disciplined you with whips. But I'm going to discipline you even tougher. I'm going to scourge you. I'm going to beat you. know, everything that Solomon did, he upped it one more to show that he was the man. That he was in charge. Why? Because he was insecure. Right, right. He was insecure. And so we see just a simple story. That because of an insecure leader, the decisions he chose to make manifested pride was there. He was a prideful leader. He wanted to show he wanted to show his authority by what he had. Right. Because superficiality will say, just look, look at look at this, look over here, but don't ever really get to know me because when you do, you'll see my insecurity, you'll see there's pride in my life. And again, I'm, I'm preaching to myself because we want to keep the impressive, we want to keep people's perception of us over here when really inside of us we're really here. Right. That what our people's perception of us does not line up with what's really in us. Right. And that's where we have to trust God and be humble and say people might see stuff in my life that's not godly. Again, this lady even said last night, I'm afraid to go to church because sometimes my little daughter watches TV and enjoy her husbands. I'm afraid she's going to go over to the children's ministry and start cussing all the time. I'm like, you can bring it here. We got awesome kids who are going to school. Teachers saying that we don't say that. Yeah. But at the same time, we're not going to keep you out of church because of the broken area in your daughter's life. And so people are afraid because of brokenness to really engage into community. But that's where we have to understand we are accepting. We might not accept their lifestyle, but we accept them that they are created in the image of God. And they do not yet know that the purpose, the plan, the destiny 
of God upon that person's life. And God is going to use you and I to show them that they have purpose, that they have destiny, because we're the disciples and apostles of Christ. So if we don't do it, who will? If we don't show Christ, who is? It's not going to be the media. It's not going to be the world. It's the church. Right, right. And we're the body of Christ wherever we go. You know, if you look put it in Genesis 3.10, we see that with Adam said, what did, what did he do? He went and hid, right? He went and got fig leaves. He realized he was naked, and he went and hid. Now today, in our world, there's a lot of people that are afraid to go out and show themselves publicly. So for you and I, today, what we're afraid to show, we're afraid that we mess up, that we feel shame, we go and we, again, isolate ourselves, hide our emotions, we don't want to see, they don't want to see what's really inside of us. We want to just be surfacing with people. So as Adam and said, and when you and I said, it's the same thing. We want to go and find and run and retreat and isolate and hide ourselves. And all the while we're isolating and hiding, shame is being put on us. Guilt, condemnation. We start to forget that God is even good. Right, right. And so again, as willing as you are to address the mess in your life, you can be set free. And again, you address it not by removing it, but by replacing it. By not being all headstrong and saying, I'm going to be self, I'm not going to be selfish, I'm not going to be selfish, but I'm going to be selfless. I'm going to go and serve somebody. I'm going to jump in on the outreach we're having on this 10th Wednesday night and go and serve. Shameless plug right there. <laughs> so again, it, it's being willing to engage in community. And this is where it gets really practical. In August, we're having, we're setting aside all five Wednesdays in August and we're going to do something intentionally to engage in our community and then to engage in our community out there. Last week we talked about values, genuine love for our community. That we love our community that's not cute. But again, we love each other. So this week, this Wednesday night, I encourage you all to come or have a family bingo night. There's going to be prizes. A couple of people are going to be sharing some testimonies. So it's going to be a just for us to get together, to laugh, to connect, to get to know each other. We're going to try to do what we can so that community can happen. And that's even as we do life groups on Wednesday night. It's a time for you to come connect and where community can happen. So again, trust God. Be willing to step out because it's old school and it never goes out of style. And the apostles experienced the community that you and I probably have never experienced before. And so that's my heart for you this morning, is that you would experience what the church was created to be. That it wasn't just created to meet your needs spiritually, but it was created to meet your needs relationally. That you can have life-giving relationships with the person that's sitting next to you that you might not even know at this point. The third is something that the person sitting next to you has that you need. There's a testimony. It says in the Bible that we are going to come out of the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. So there's power in testimony. Hearing where somebody came from, what somebody walked through. Quickly, and then we'll take a moment and, and really reflect. First John 4.18 says, there's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. And security is, is rooted and based in fear. So if you want to know what's going to drive out fear and insecurity in your life, it's love. And your security, your anchor, is not based in someone's opinion of you, 
of what your dad said about you, what your boss said about you. It's your anger is based in what the Word of God says about you, what the Word of God, who it says you are, who you're created to be. Stop listening to the opinions of the world or a co-worker, what someone said in an emotional moment. Rise up, get to know your Word, get to know your mind, because that's where your identity's at. And quickly, it speaks to the hour in which we're living in. Hebrews 10, 24 to 25. It says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love. Let us a spur. Think of a spur. What is a spur? You, know, you stick it in a horse spur and you get to go. Sometimes you got to get that person that's isolated. you got to spur them. Where you been? Where are you in church? Why are you in community? We miss you. We love you. you got to spur them. Parents, you got to spur your kids every morning. Get them up out of bed and get them to church. you got to spur them. To spur one another on for love and good deeds, not giving up, meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing. I love this. But in good order to do, but encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. The day is approaching where people don't want anything to do with church. They think it's a well that God's word is dead. It's not practical, it doesn't work. We have to know that this is the hour in which we're living in. So if you're feeling a disconnect of church or a disconnect of community, it's the devil coming in, lying, whispering to you. For you not to want to meet together. For you not to want to get to know me. But it says, let us encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. More than ever, we need to be encouraging to each other. And it's not just saying, babe, you look good today. But it's saying, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Because real Christian community happens around God's Word. It happens when you're feeding each other the Word of God and you're getting, hey, we're going to go through the book of Ephesians. You need to come and let's just study what God's Word says. Let's see what God will do in our time together. So it's amazing what can happen when you start encouraging, take a step up, and you encourage each other in God's Word. So this morning, we're invited to stand and pray and take a moment of reflection. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you are blessed. For more messages like this one, check out our website at gatheringplacechurch.com.